are Locked On Cougars. This is your daily podcast focused on the BYU Cougars. Thanks for joining us on a Tuesday edition of the show. A lot to get to like normal recapping what turned into just an absolute grinder of a BYU basketball game as the Cougars fall in the West Coast Conference semifinals. We'll break that down along with some comments from coaches and players in the aftermath of that loss for BYU. We'll also talk some BYU football with tight end slash wingback Kyle Griffiths. Had a great conversation with him yesterday following practice. We'll get to that and obviously catch up on everything else going on in BYU sports news like we normally do. Locked On Cougars is proud to be part of the Locked On Podcast Network, which is, of course, America's number one daily podcast network with your team covered every day. So thanks again for taking the time to download the show. And with that rundown out of the way, let's get going. This is Locked On Cougars for March 10th, 2020. What's up, guys? I'm Jay Catch, your host here on Locked On Cougars, resident BYU insider. I work for the Zone Sports Network. And thanks for joining us on your daily podcast. Focus on all things BYU sports. As I've said before, and we'll continue to say, we interview your one-stop shop for all of your sport, BYU sports news and insider information that you cannot find anywhere else. And thanks again for taking the time to download this show. If you're new to the show, welcome on in. Hit the subscribe or follow button on whichever podcast provider you're listening to us on. That way you never miss a daily episode of this show as we are with you guys Monday through Friday talking BYU sports each and every day. Let's start off with some BYU basketball. Well, first off, let's let you hear what proved to be the ultimate difference in this game courtesy of the St. Mary's Radio Network. Clock rolls to the logo. Ford wants to go. Long range two. He got it! 1.4 seconds and Jordan Ford has put the Gales up by one! There you go, Jordan Ford's game winner with 1.4 seconds remaining as St. Mary's upsets number 14 BYU 51-50 in the West Coast Conference semifinals. And what a grind of a game that was. BYU, I thought they were going to take control of this game and just see the clock out. But when you go nine minutes, yes, nine minutes without a made field goal, I believe BYU missed nine or ten shots in that span in the second half there. I have to say, you can complain about the officiating, the physical nature of St. Mary's, how physical they were in this game. Say whatever you will, but when you endure a nine-minute scoreless drought in the middle of the second half, or actually the last half of the second half, essentially, I don't. I, that's where it starts and ends for me in BYU's loss last night. Plain and simple, it just it did not. It wasn't enough from BYU. They shot a miserable twenty-four percent in the second half. I just was just a was a bogged down effort from BYU. They were up as many eleven in the second half, and then they just just went ice cold. It was awful. I just. <laughs> Yeah, for me, it starts and ends last night. That loss for BYU is that nine-minute stretch. So Yoli Childs hit a three-pointer with 13 minutes, just under 13 minutes remaining in the game, if you recall. They had a seven-point lead at that point, and then they go nine minutes to the three-minute and 30-second mark, if I'm not mistaken, when Zach Selyus finally breaks that scoreless drought. You cannot have that and expect to win. And I understand that there are going to be people that are saying, well, St. Mary's was so physical, they kind of really knocked BYU off their spots. Well, that's a credit to St. Mary's because because they came and just absolutely delivered it to BYU, and the Cougars didn't respond. Uh, let's let you hear from Yoli Childs. Here's what he had to say about what happened last night. Clearly, we we just weren't prepared for the, the nature of the game today. Uh, 
St. Mary's was tougher than us. Uh, they were more physical than us. Um, and, and I think that really got us out of our stuff. And uh, moving forward, we'll play with more force. We'll be more aggressive. And uh, we'll just we'll prepare to uh, move through that contact and uh, get to our spots and, and play the right way. There you go, Yoli Childs, and I think he's absolutely right. St. Mary's is more physical with BYU, knocked them out of their rhythm, and credit to Randy Bennett and his squad. That's how Randy Bennett's teams like to play. So if you don't like it, well, guess what? That's St. Mary's basketball, and that's how it's going to be. I understand that there's the frustration over losing to St. Mary's once again because BYU seems to struggle more with St. Mary's than they do against Gonzaga. Last night, Philip Petrusev in the aftermath of Gonzaga's win over San Francisco, 81-77 to advance to the West Coast Conference Final. Philip Petrusev, the West Coast Conference Player of the Year, said he was rooting for BYU because they had, quote, unfinished business against BYU. Alas, it will not be. It'll be number, it'll be Gonzaga and St. Mary's tonight for the West Coast Conference Tournament title. And this is a disappointment for BYU basketball. There is no doubt about that. It's just you thought BYU was going to go into this game. And when you had it by 11 early on in that second half, I at that point I was, okay, BYU can extend this lead out a little bit further. They can ride this, ride this game out and just see how it goes. And to their credit, BYU did battle. And Jordan Ford, that game winner, as you heard just a minute ago, that was an incredible shot. He had Alex Barcelo right on his hip, but he stops on a dime, rises, fires, and hits. And that was just an impressive play because Alex Barcelo, he's been one of BYU BYU's best defenders. He has that nickname, the Bulldog, for a reason. He is able to stick with guys. And Jordan Ford, to his credit, went full speed, stopped on a dime, and shook uh, Alex Barcelo. Barcelo's momentum took him away from Jordan Ford. Ford rises up and hits that shot. And BYU, with that, at that point, there's no advancing the basketball in college basketball. I know the NBA allows it, but you have to go down the court, and, and BYU wasn't able to get anything up in 1.4 seconds. So. Alas, they lose 51-50 to in it, it, ugly, ugly basketball game. This It might have been the worst stretch. I, I think Jeff Call noted this. It might have been the worst 12-minute stretch of the season for BYU basketball. And it, it just you can't endure a nine-minute scoreless streak and expect to win games. Plain and simple. Like I said, I come back to just that portion of the game. Nine straight minutes with nine misses, nine to ten misses in that mix. You just can't do it. And I understand that people say, well, if you make the free throws, you win the game. Nine to 15 in a basketball game is not all that bad, I suppose. I, I do have my quibbles with free throws, and guys should be able to hit them at a higher clip than they are at points. And especially BYU basketball this year, it's been actually kind of a an issue for the Cougars. But I I feel like last night's game begins and ends with how BYU just was unable to make shots in the second half. 6 of 24 in the second half, just a miserable uh, 6 of 25, 24% in the second half. BYU in the first half shot nearly 50% from the game, if not 50%, and then just in the second half just got bogged down. And St. Mary's got away with their physical brand of basketball. BYU did not respond, and now BYU has 10 days off between a last night's game and their first round game in the NCAA tournament next Thursday. 
this layoff. If I'm BYU, I'm calling up UVU. I'm calling up Westminster. I'm calling up Weber State. I'm calling up anybody and saying, hey, you guys want a scrimmage? Because I felt like the layoff also affected BYU. They had nine days off before this game. They're going to have another 10 days off. They're going to play exactly one game in nearly a three-week span before they get to the NCAA tournament. And if BYU doesn't get themselves back in rhythm, it could be an early exit for BYU in the NCAA tournament. I, I hate to say that because I've been expecting BYU to make a run here. But they have to figure out whatever they need to do because now the book is out on them. If you can get physical with BYU, who I'm expecting BYU, whoever they face in the first round of the NCAA tournament, they're absolutely going to have that game plan in there and say, you know what, go in and rough up BYU. Missing a guy like Colby Lee, that hurt BYU last night, but St. Mary's is not a great matchup for him. Also not having Dalton Nixon, that affected BYU, but he's been out for a number of weeks now, and we'll see if he's able to get back on the court in the next 10 days and get himself back into playing shape as the Cougars get ready for the NCAA tournament. But the biggest thing is the book is out on BYU. If you can get in and rough them up, you can throw them off, and that gives you a good opportunity to win. St. Mary's, I think they exposed BYU a little bit here, and the Cougars, that toughness factor, You've got to have that in the big dance. You have to be a tough, rugged team, and BYU did not look like that last night. All right, we'll switch gears, talk some BYU football here in just a minute. I had a chance to speak with Kyle Griffiths yesterday, BYU tight end slash wingback. Had a great conversation about him being a senior on this year's squad. Also had got some thoughts from him from one of his close friends, Devin Kafusi, about uh, Kafusi's decision to enter, enter the NCAA transfer portal. We'll get to all of that next. Before we do that, though, a reminder for you guys to listen to the show. It's as simple as using your voice. A lot of us have smart speakers in our homes. You have a smartphone that is in your car that you plug in it syncs up with your car well to listen to this podcast you have to lift so much as a finger all you got to do is tell your pod you tell your podcast provider your smart device excuse me to play the latest episode of the locked on cougars podcast and we'll be right there with you for the drive or just help you kill some downtime at your house as I've said before, we need to be your one-stop shop for all the BYU sports news you need to know each and every day. So don't forget to tell your smart device each and every day. Play the latest episode of Locked on Cougars, and you'll be the smartest BYU fan in the room. All right, guys, had a chance to catch up with Kyle Griffiths yesterday. He's actually one of my favorite interviews on the BYU football team. You may not know his name, but he wears number 42. He plays what they call the wingback position in BYU's offense. He's officially listed as a tight end on BYU's roster, but if they were playing under the original offense that Jeff Grimes brought to BYU, Kyle Griffiths would be a fullback. Let's put it that way. He now plays kind of in an up position right behind the offensive line, really helps with run blocking, does get out in some pass patterns every so often, but it's a pretty rugged position that he plays. I had a chance to catch up with him yesterday after practice. Had a great conversation about him going into his senior year of playing football at BYU as a walk-on. Also got some thoughts from him, like I mentioned, on Devin Kafusi entering the NCAA transfer portal. So without further ado, here you go. Kyle Griffiths with myself, Jay Catch, right here on Locked on Cougars. Kyle, after a week's worth of practices at this point, or I guess more than a week's worth of practices, how do you feel personally about the team I'm excited I mean this year there's been a ton of energy on both sides of the ball there's been a lot of uh, uh, there's been chippiness but it's been positive chippiness nothing negative there's no animosity towards each side of the ball but there's been a a huge desire for competitiveness Mm -hmm. and to have fun but by having fun we're we're competitive and we're really coming at each other so uh, it's been it's been really competitive and honestly been been pretty fun so far so I'm, I'm liking how everybody is and 
and the feel of the, ball, of the game right now. You talked about the fact that it hasn't tipped over yet to like a yeah. boiling point. Is there a fine line of that, like kind of straddling that? Yeah, I mean, fights are fun, if I'm being honest. Like, <laughs> I mean, I tend to start, especially the first day of pads and all that, I tend, I tend to be one of the ones that, guys that starts the fight. But um, it definitely, there's definitely a tipping point, and you can kind of tell just the feelings afterwards, after practice, and that's when you know if the tipping point's been hit or not. Mm-hmm. In practice, it's always the same. It's aggressive. It's coming at each other. Even sometimes there are fights, but it's all, but like you can tell when it's competitive or whether it's like animosity and negative afterwards in the locker room. And so far, we haven't had a single bit of animosity or negativity in the locker room, so that's been a huge part. You're playing that wingback position. You yep. and Mason Wake PC guys out there. How has that position changed for you in the offseason, or has it changed at all? Um, it hasn't changed much. We're getting more reps, which yeah. is fun, which is nice, which we love and appreciate because yeah. uh, we want to be on the field as much as we can so we can hit as many people as we can. But, uh, no, it hasn't changed too much. We've just been putting more in there, being able to go in there and run block, mm-hmm. get some routes out of there. So not, not too much has changed. The offense as a whole seems to be, at least from my observation, I've only seen a half an hour practice each day, but it seems like you guys are more polished this spring than you have been in the past. Would you agree with that? Oh, 100%. It's, uh, um, I don't know how I'd, how I'd put it, but just coming into this spring, we have a lot of veterans. We have a lot of guys who have done it. Um, and as well, the older guys have been meeting with the younger guys to help them kind of get a head start on it all. So there's just this expectation Coach Grimes has set for us as well and that we have for ourselves where we need to be polished, we need to be smooth, we need to do it right right now so then it can look right later, you know. And so that's kind of – it's just really an expectation that's been set by the players as well. The players, we expect to have practices to be polished and for things to work out. And because we've set that expectation, it's come to pass. So it's nice. You're an upperclassman now. How important is it for you to look at, to these younger guys and say, hey, this is the example I want to set for you all? Um, it's a huge, I mean, it's a huge part of it. I mean, whenever I was a freshman, I remember Tanner Baldry, he was a senior. Braden Elbacri, obviously, it's like, he's like my older brother. Um, but those guys set the example for us and many, many other tight ends. Marone, Ilalu, Pututau. I mean, there's been so many of them that set examples for us. And uh, for me with Braden specifically, because I was with him for most of my time, he was always tough on me. He was always hard on me, but I knew how much he loved me and how much he cared, and he showed me that through his example. Uh, when we were out there making plays, he always cheered for me. He always rooted for me. If I did something wrong, I was able to – or if I did something wrong, he was able to tell me what I was supposed to do. But more than that, if he did something wrong, he was humble enough to let me talk to him mm-hmm. and let me be able to say my two cents about it too. So I think especially that's, that was, that's been the biggest part is even though I'm out there right now and I am – a senior and this is my last year and I've, I've been around it just being able to be humble just like uh humble just like like Braden was with with me and I, I can take their coaching points as well and that helps with the whole fluidity and the whole polished part of our offense as well was there any point you thought you would be a lone senior in this group with Matt Bushman looking like maybe he might leave at one point? So Matt's one of my best buds. So the whole time I was, I was talking about it, I was like, I was like, Matt, just go to the league, man. I was like, I was like Matt, just go to the league. Just do it. Like, I'll get a little more playing time. Yeah. On I know I'll be, it'll be a little bit more in my room. But yeah. no, nah, I'm totally kidding. But we we'd, uh, we talked about it or he, he, he yeah. kind of talked to me about it. And so I always knew there was a possibility, but I was hoping he'd come back and and I'm excited that he did come back, and I kind of, kind of figured that he might. So, I, I, while I, the idea did come to my head, and there were always thoughts about it, 
I was I was pretty sure he was going to come back, and I wanted him to. He's one of my best friends, so. Okay. I want to talk about a teammate who has left, and Devin Kafusi. You were really close to him. How was that impact to the team, and impacted you personally? I guess first off. Oh, that was. Uh, I, Devin's one of my brothers, one of my closest friends that I have, and we're we are really really close. So, um, when he decided that he was officially going to go, I was honestly shocked. Mm-hmm. But it's the best decision for him, and in the end, every single one of us in the locker room knows how honorable and how loyal and what kind of a person Devin is. And so we know that his decision wasn't anything negative towards us or negative towards anybody else, but it was just the best decision that he could make for himself. And if that's what he believes is the best decision for himself, then that's what we believe too, and we support him 100%. I was, I'm not going to lie, the first emotion that came through my mind was anger because yeah. not, not at him, but because I want to have my my brother and one of my best friends by my side for my senior year and he's a warrior he's a fighter and he's an incredible football player and uh the second thought was just love um because i love him so much and i know that he's doing this is a tough decision that's a hard decision to make but he's making this decision because uh he knows that this is what he needs to do for himself and all of us trust and believe in him that he knows what he's supposed to do for himself so uh, in the end uh if it's this is what he thinks he should do then absolutely i support him 100%. So when did you find out? Saturday when the reports broke? Or did you yeah, I you? actually, so Isaiah, his cousins, yeah. like all of us, we we had no idea. Okay. Like, like I had literally no idea. I saw, actually first saw it through Twitter. Okay. I was at Maggleby's getting an all-you-can-eat French toast. You know how it Good is. Good call. Good call <laughs> with the boys. And I was on Twitter and I saw it and I was like, there's no way this could happen. I got chills. Mm-hmm. I actually cried a little bit. I'm emotional, but it's okay. like, like I was, uh, I was just like, what the heck? And all those feelings are going through me. So that's the first time I found out. Then I reached out to him later and talked to him a little bit. And yeah. And in the end he said that was the best decision for himself. And if that's what he says, I couldn't agree more. Last thing for me is looking forward throughout the rest of spring. You said you're going to be a senior this year. What yep. do you looking forward to doing or accomplishing in your last spring practices? Um, just continuing just to honestly enjoy the game. Okay. Um, luckily for me, because I'm going into coaching, yeah. I'll be a GA here next year, so I'll be around football the rest of my life. But this is the last time I'm going to be able to put on the pads. This is the last time that I'm going to be able to hit people which I love more than anything else on this earth, honestly. And so for now, it's just every rep that I get in, I tell myself, you go hit someone and go enjoy playing football. I've had a couple, I've had years, I've had times where like I stress about either playing time or, or not being in the position I want or blah, 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 stuff like that. That's all gone now. That's all past. Now I'm at the point where I'm just going to enjoy everything that's happening and, and where I'm at. And I'm going to enjoy every single play for what it is. And I'm going to love the game of football that I'm passionate about. I've seen graduate assistants strap it up before, so it's not out of the question. Oh, absolutely. It is not out of the question. Matter of fact, I'll be asking for opportunities, but we'll, we'll see what I might be that coach, a little gridiron gang. Okay. When I'm, uh, when I'm coaching, go out there, strap on the pads, get, uh, put a little pancake on one of my boys, humble them. Okay. We'll see, though. All right. Can't thank you enough, Kyle. Thanks for the time. Absolutely. Thank you very much. There you go, Kyle Griffiths. And you heard him say it was a surprise to see Devin Kafusi's name in the NCAA transfer portal. He said he found out on social media just like everybody did, it felt like. So this was a very much a surprising move for Devin Kafusi to go into the NCAA transfer portal. But you heard Kyle Griffiths say he wishes him well, wishes him nothing but the best. And they'll still be brothers going forward. And I, as I said yesterday on the podcast, a guy like Devin Kafusi, he is not leaving BYU upset at the football program. That's the biggest thing. He feels like he needs just to find his own path and move on and do his own thing. And as I said yesterday, 
everybody should respect that decision. So thanks to Kyle Griffiths for addressing that. Also great to hear him talk about the fact that he's just trying to savor every moment of his last year of football out there, every rep. Uh, You heard him talk about the fact he's going to be a graduate assistant for BYU next year. I've had a chance to talk with him previously, and he's excited. He wants to coach in football at a high level, and I can't blame him. He's a smart, bright young man, and I appreciate him taking the time to join us here on the podcast. And it's looking like this offense... Everything I've watched so far, and we'll get to some of the details here in just a minute on what I took away from practice yesterday, but when I watch this offense operate right now, and it isn't a limited sample size, let me be clear about that. We have seen three practices, three media observations for a total of probably about an hour total of watching this offense in operation, and I have to say... They're much smoother and much more deliberate on offense this year, and that's what you kind of expect when you're in the third year under the same staff with the same offense. And I think that BYU is well-served to have not rocked the boat and really changed things up. They've just kind of stuck stuck to the course, and I think BYU is going to benefit from it this coming season. Uh, we'll talk about some of the details of what I took away from practice yesterday here in just a moment. Before we do that, though, I want to ask you guys, and I ask you guys quite often to do this, but if you haven't done so already on whichever podcast provider you're listening to us on, please leave us a favorable rating and review, particularly if you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts. The vast majority of you listen to us on Apple Podcasts. Last year's statistics, think over two thirds of our listeners were on Apple listening to us. Leave us a five-star review. Those five-star reviews are worth their weight in podcast gold. It helps us find BYU fans and BYU fans in turn find us, builds the audience, helps more people understand what's going on with BYU sports each and every day with this podcast. And leave us a note as well. Let us know what you think of the podcast. I really appreciate your guys' feedback on what I can improve on. I take it all as a constructive criticism, so I appreciate you guys doing that in advance, and thank you guys for taking the time to leave us that rating and review, because Locked On Cougars, we can't do it without you guys, because you guys are the lifeblood of this. If you guys don't listen to this podcast, we don't exist, so thanks in advance once again for leaving us that rating and review right here on Locked On Cougars. All right, guys, let's catch you up on BYU football practice. The news and notes I took away from practice yesterday. If you want more of a rundown of this, you can go to 1280thezone.com. I've been writing a little bit for the website over there, and I had a write-up on yesterday's practice. You also can hear post-practice comments from Kalani Satake as well as BYU Junior Center James Empey following yesterday's practice. Uh, and Some good stuff there, but let's start off with this. Uh, Kalani Satake uh, said, quote, I want to respect him, speaking of Devin Kafusi and allow him to share his reasoning for leaving if he wants to. So I think that Kalani understands the reasoning. It sounds like they had a productive conversation between the two of them, speaking of Devin Kafusi and Coach Satake, and he wishes them the best. Kalani's been very open about the NCAA transfer portal. If guys do decide to withdraw their name from the portal, he, he will welcome them back. Guys like Johnny Kuje Tapasoa, Bo Tanner last year, Herkley Latu this year, all guys who have entered the NCAA transfer portal but have ultimately returned to the BYU football program. And I think it's the right policy to have if you're 
Kalani Satake. You can't be just so heavy-handed that you're like, well, you, you decided to quit on your team. You're out, son. That just doesn't work in this day and age. Some other notes from yesterday's practice is that Alema Pili, my the redshirt sophomore, has made the transition over to defense from tight end. He will play defensive end for BYU. Kalani Satake, talking to us yesterday, said that he's actually one of the strongest guys in the weight room in terms of just the numbers that he's putting up in the in training and they feel like he can be a difference maker at, at defensive end. I had a couple of people reach out, Steve Hatch in particular at Steve underscore Hatch on Twitter who reached out and said that is the move of Peely Mai the reason for uh, Devin Kafusi's transfer? It is not. I, I can tell you that much, but in terms of LM Peely Mai moving to defensive end, that I think co- coincides with a kid like Devin Kafusi deciding to transfer. I think BYU saw the glut of talent they had at tight end and they think that a guy like Alema Peely Mike can get onto the field better at defensive end and wish him nothing but the best. I thought he had some good uh, showing yesterday. Kalani Satake said he made multiple plays in the backfield. That's a positive, having just made the transition over. The biggest play from yesterday's practice was a nice touchdown throw from Zach Wilson to junior receiver Neil Pau. It was a fourth and goal situation from about the five-yard line. Uh, Zach Wilson scrambled out of the pocket after not seeing anything initially, looked off the safety back to the middle of the end zone, and then uh, Pau had worked himself open on the sideline in the back corner of the end zone. Zach zips it in there, and Pau secures it for the touchdown. It was a nice play, and I give my credit on that play in particular to Zach Wilson because he did a good job throwing the defense off, looking them off before finding Pau for that touchdown. So a nice touchdown there. And then one final note for you guys is uh, that uh, Tyler Algier speaking with Jay Drew and myself yesterday. We'll get to this conversation at some point this week. He acknowledged that he is on scholarship now. The I think it'll be a junior this year, if I'm not mistaken. Former running back turned linebacker, now back to running back Tyler Algier on scholarship. And big congratulations to him. That is a fantastic development. A kid has worked hard to uh, be deserving of that scholarship and it's good to see him being rewarded with that lifeline in terms of just the amount of money that it brings to him and allows him to train more fully in football because Algier is a kid that's got talent there's no doubt about it he's contributed to two different positions so far in his collegiate career and what a find is a preferred walk-on for BYU out of Southern California to get a kid like Tyler Algier to BYU all right that'll do it for today's edition of the podcast once again if you want to catch up more on all of this i wrote about it at 1280thezone.com just search out locked on cougars on the website it should be right there for you you can read up on it as well all right thanks again for joining us we will of course we'll have more for you guys later this week byu basketball as they kind of lick their wounds now and look towards the ncaa tournament selection sunday this sunday afternoon we'll have coverage of that uh, coming up early next week and obviously we'll have a lot of byu football coverage for you in the interim uh, as we get you ready uh, not as you get ready as we carry you through spring ball the storylines the players the coaches that stand out we'll have all those conversations for you guys here each and every day as we aim to keep you up to date on everything going on in BYU sports all right that'll do it for us here on locked on cougars on a tuesday edition of the show thanks again for joining us it's a blast to be with you guys each and every day this has been the locked on cougars podcast for march 10th 2020 i just want to encourage you guys if you want more college football coverage i know it's nfl draft season uh, make sure to tell your smart device to play the most recent episode of locked on draft dudes or the draft dudes podcast have a great day and we will talk to you tomorrow